Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. As we're going through the series, one thing that we're, we, we have a couple things we're thinking about beyond just the content of Philippians is we're really wanting to help us understand that the Bible is written to God's people. Now, there is a spot to apply it directly to ourselves. We have a personal relationship with Jesus. We got that really good in America. But there's this we part of things. And this is a perfect example of how I've been going through Scripture and just thinking this way. And so I remember wasn't that because you know what? You can put a bumper sticker on your car. I've told you to put a bumper sticker on your car in jest that you are the light of the world, right? Do you know we cut off half of this verse? The second half of this verse, which I can't get to, is very important. <laughs> So, the second half of this verse is, I will look it up, uh, that you, all, you are a city on a hill. <laughs> now, think about that. You are a city on the hill. In all my mind, I grew up thinking in an I way of the, you are the light of the world. And it's right there in the text, we just cut it off, is that that means that we're a city on a hill. And when we talk about being people of the king... What we're going to be talking about is this place is that we're actually this people that bring the light of God to people. And in that spot, we are the light of the world together, right? The other thing we've talked about a lot is in this whole thing, we're saying we, through this time, we also feel this urge for us to engage with Philippians together and even start encouraging you to start moving towards engaging in Scripture more than you have. And we've talked, we give a Bible tip. And so, as I thought about today, which we're going to talk about being a part of one another's lives, I came up with a great Bible story of my experience with the Bible that actually covers all three at the same time. So I'm pretty impressed with myself. When I was a new Christian, I, was, I became a Christian, and I thought after a year... I got this, so I'm going to start a Bible study. So you can imagine how in-depth that Bible study was. It was kind of living in the tension of a bunch of young people who just came to know Jesus, and it was with lots of passion, and the blind leading the blind very, it was just back and forth all the time, right? And so one of the things that I had learned from hurting somebody in my, my year of experience of listening to people was the Bible is a manual, and so I took that serious, and they even said it's like a car manual, so I took that serious. And so I began going through the Bible like a car manual, because a car manual teaches you, you have to put in the gas, you have to be in the D drive, or you have to shift, you have to do these things right, and then your car moves well. You don't crash, you don't bang things up, it all goes well. And if it doesn't go well, there's something wrong, that you need to fix. And here's what that tells you. Know what? So I just said, okay, I'm going to read the Bible and do what it says. So I just tried to read the Bible as a manual and try to do what it says. The problem was, for a number of years, I just pretended like this is okay, but internally what I was realizing is my car is not running well. <laughs> I'm still not doing well at all, but I'm telling them this is true, this is true, this is true. And it got to the point that I didn't tell anybody at all, but internally I dreaded opening the Bible and finding one more thing that I needed to learn about this Christian life when I hadn't even touched the 50 before. Do you guys know what I'm talking about here? 
And this is something I didn't know what to do with. And I didn't even know it was inside of me building up. But there was a spot in the Bible study. We were in this small apartment. And we were having someone else facilitate sharing. And so I'm waiting around. I'm the leader, supposedly, right? There's some older people from the church there, which is very unusual. And they asked me how I was doing. And I said, it just came out. I said, I hate the Bible. (laughs) And everybody thought, this is probably not good. He's our leader, right? And I went on to tell them why I hated the Bible. And I told them how exhausting it was to read the Bible. And I, was, I didn't want to not love the Bible, but I don't love the Bible. I don't think I hate the Bible. So eventually, they, they, I realized now they, they handled me. They pulled me out on the balcony with a couple of the older, more mature people, and they calmed me down. And it, but here's what's funny is that it, it, it helped <laughs> tremendously because God meets us to where we're really at. And from that point on, you see this continuum where now I can say, I love the Bible. But I, ended, I, had a, I had a grid of the Bible that was, I was looking at it through a wrong lens. And I tell you, I needed others to help me. I wouldn't have got there myself. So now I've learned, I find really godly scholars and I find lots of people who love the Bible that I know personally that I've watched their life change. And I say, help me learn how to see the Bible because I can see this is changing your life and it helps me. That's a perfect example that we, it's not just an I. We can't even understand the Bible. We need community to help us in that. If you are isolated trying to read the Bible, you're going to become a crazy person. There's a lot of isolated people who read the Bible and they're not doing well, Right? So I'm just saying we need each other in that. So my challenge for you in that in your tip is if you don't, wherever you're at in the Bible, if you love the Bible, help someone who doesn't. And if you don't love the Bible, get honest with that with somebody and let them help you find ways of understanding the Bible through a different lens. All right? And so, you know, at, we're looking at this whole process of, of this and we're, we're trying to, you know, just get to a spot where, you know, we... We are wanting um, to get to a place in our church in which that we understand this, this us a lot better. And that the Bible becomes living words to us. And today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about this place of the people of the king. And we're going to talk about sharing in suffering. Does that excite you? I told this to Anna Schulte, and she says, well, that's new. <laughs> I didn't know we shared about suffering so much, but this actually is a little new. Uh, but it is actually something that has been so encouraging to me um, because we're in a spot in which that, you know, we are people who are connected, but if we're the people of the king, one thing we do is we share in suffering. You know, the first 10 to 12 years of my life, I didn't understand really anything correctly about suffering. You know those highlights I talked about yesterday, last week? I just didn't highlight those. I didn't want to know about them, but there was a lot of words suffering <laughs> and suffer in the Bible. And... Uh, and so I was a devoted follower of Jesus, and I personally had not encountered too much suffering. 
I was, I was quite honestly kind of, the American dream was kind of working for me. Debbie and I were married. We had a good marriage, had a good set of friends. We, were on our, we moved from our starter house to a little bit bigger house. We had two cars, had a garage. We did have a dog because Debbie doesn't, she's not all American in, in the dog area. But, but, uh, but we had this beautiful life, right? And, uh, and then, as most of you know, we had a period of time where all we need now is those kids we want to love and, and raise, and they didn't come. And so then we went through infertility, and then we went through craziness and adoption. And, and for some reason, that time it rattled our soul at levels we've never experienced before. Uh, and it's not because you can say, well, it's, I can compare it to a lot of things that are worse than that. It's just because it hit something in us. This is about suffering. You don't really rate your suffering, right? But it, it was our suffering moment. We were, we, were our, we were shaken at the core and not doing well for numbers of years. And it seemed like about the time it would get better, and we're sincerely following God, it just kept getting worse. And we had thing after thing that was just devastating. And in all that, over time, God got us through that, and that was very helpful. And, uh, you know, I... I we got to the place that we can now look back and say, okay, that's, that was really needed for who we are. And so now I can look back at it and say, as hard as that was, God redeemed it, I'm alive, got through it, but I kind of thought this. Didn't know I thought this. You know, you don't know you think things until the expectations don't happen, right? And so I, I didn't know I thought this, but my, I thought, I've kind of got my quota, Right? Six, eight years of a season of just raw pain, I'm done. I think we can do it next time. So I kind of had this idea like, now I'm going to deal with suffering, kind of like little darts that I pull out quicker, right? I'm not going to have another season of suffering because I think that's, I think I got it. Guess what? I was wrong. And uh, we have had, and I've had, and individually we've had many different seasons that were tremendously painful, and we know that we will have more in the future. One thing about the Bible, it's very clear on this. <laughs> if you believe the Bible, you have to believe this. In this world, you will have suffering. It's not optional. It will occur at different levels that God promises that. We're in a world that's unjust, and his sin is affected, and that creates pain and suffering. So we are going to have this all the time we live on this earth, but the thing about it is the Bible talks about it very differently. I was thinking about other times and seasons. One of the other seasons that came, <laughs> I can name many seasons, you know, short seasons, long seasons. This season was when we were getting the church started, and we were Lots, you know, it's kind of a buzz, and these things were happening, but we started going through lots of very difficult stuff in our family, and it was really hard, and then we went through some hard things with staff, and it was really hard, and it was multiple things happening, and we, I still have memories of walking into church and not being able to concentrate and focus because I was in so much pain, and so... But the church is just, we're just coming out of Parkway, we're thinking moving here. It's like, I got to lead this church, right? And, uh, but I couldn't do it very well because I was in so much pain. 
And so I remember, it's the, you have to reverse the sanctuary. I remember I was sitting over, you know, right in the back row over there where Sarah is, just turned the other way, and we brought the church together, which was already declining because my pain level was so high I could just leak on anybody who's around. I mean, let's get honest, that's what was happening. And we all came together, and they said, the board member said, Debbie and David are going to be disabled for a year or so. <laughs> and we need to stay in this with them. And I'll tell you, it was just, it was a weirdest feeling because I thought, man, do I need this? <laughs> and man, is this terrible that I'm destroying the church because of my pain. You guys ever thought about like, okay, I got my pain, but I don't want to leak on everybody else? And so I remember that, that moment pretty clearly. And God you know, was in it, but it was really hard. And so, what has happened since then? I had like a year of sermons on suffering after that, which you guys got really tired of. Can we just cheer up, Dave? But in that spot of learning it, I realized this is a really important subject. Because if we don't understand what it means to suffer well, and we're in a world that we always have pain and suffering, we're in trouble, right? And so this is a life-giving message to understand that you can have suffering become something that not that you ever want it, but it can be extremely rich and got used by gods in ways that we probably have tasted in this church, but we haven't tasted the level it's going to show up in the future. And uh, so now my prayer is, not, oh, please don't make me suffer. It's like, God, I don't want to suffer, but if I return in pain, would you help me and would you show me how to turn to you and open up in my suffering and how to turn to others and open up in my suffering? And I pray that we'll become a church that can learn what it means to share in suffering. That's what we're going to be talking about. And that's when Paul's talking to the, the Philippians. In some ways, the Philippians are understanding suffering better than the other churches that Paul planted. They're coming into it with him in ways the other churches aren't. He's basically saying, you're getting it, but there's a lot more that you're, I want you to understand because you're on the right track here. And so, the next slide, which I'll just keep saying that. There you go. Let me just read that. This I am, this is Paul, and he's, he's, basically, he's in prison, right? And he knows he could be executed, and he knows that he may stay, have to stay there a long time, but he's thinking, I, I really want to go and con keep connecting with the churches. And so he's in this tension between staying in a world that has suffering or dying. And he's caught, and he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that, is far better. But a remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your, your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you might have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming, of, of my coming to you again. Now, so as he's looking at that, he's basically saying, I'm hard-pressed, and there's, it's like, I can't decide. I really want to go home. 
I really, I'm really ready to do that. In fact, that's far better for me to be able to be with Christ without this world, but it's not far better for the rest of people, the people who are part of me, and so I can't do it. I got to go what's with best for everybody. This is what I need to stay. And so he's just convinced the guys. Once he knows that, he goes, well, God will provide that, and he'll do that for me. And then we look at the next section. He goes on to say, click, click. I, there we go. Uh, only let your, this is now, now, he's, now he's basically saying, this is my heart. Now here's what I want for you, Philippians. He says, only let your matter of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I, I may hear of you and you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your components. This, opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but your salvation and that, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that I saw, that you saw I had, and now here I still have. So he's saying, you have to understand, and this is really interesting, because he's in this spot of saying, I want you to understand that you're to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Another way of putting that in the Greek is that you live as good citizens. Live as citizens. You know, when you live as a good citizen, you're living in a place that's for the best of all. You're recognizing you're not just doing things for yourself. And so I want you to do the same thing, just like I'm doing for you. And then as it goes down the line, it begins explaining to them this place of, in 29... First off, it starts out in, in uh, 27 where it talks about this place of this kind of picture of people standing side by side and, uh, and, and, and being together firm in one faith, this whole place of this is the city on the hill we're talking about. But it, as they're standing side by side, it goes on to the place that says, now you've been granted a couple things. You've, granted, you've been granted this place of the gospel, of believing in him, which is a work of grace, that word granted would be like Jesus grants them forgiveness, you know. You've been given this amazing gift of the gospel and believing in him. That's not of yourself. God did that for you. And you, and yet, and you guys may not see this, uh, you know, advertised very much, but you have been granted something else, something else. And here's what you've been granted. You've been granted suffering, right? You've been granted suffering. Because in suffering, God works in ways you can't even imagine. Your suffering, you know, I used to have this preacher that said this, and I always would quote it. Suffering is unavoidable. Misery is optional. And that's really short-sighted. Suffering is unavoidable. And God will use suffering ways you can't even imagine. Not just your suffering, but all suffering. 
Now, the Bible is pretty clear, and when you see the Bible talking about suffering, it's kind of kind of wild. I mean, you know, it it's this place where you know you see people suffering in ways that you can't even imagine, and yet right around those same things, you always see these words like rejoicing and transformation and depth of character and knowing God and all these things, they're always all mixed together, right? Because God works in those things. And the, the thing about it is this whole thing of what it, does it mean to suffering for, for Christ's sake. Now, suffering for Christ's sake, let me, just, let me just throw a few things out here, like just to give you a picture of the, how the suffering is looked at in the New Testament with real people, with real lives in the real world. You know, one, the apostles were flogged, and when they left the Sanhedrin, they let them go, they said, oh, they were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering his disgrace. But then we also see this place where, this place that we says, my suffering can glorify God and it talks about how we're, we're shaped and transformed by suffering. It says we are heirs of God, fellow heirs, and we get to suffer and he be glorified. So this place that God is glorified, we experience God, but it's, it's shown up not just in the places where it's direct persecution, it's showing up where whenever you share in suffering, regardless of where the suffering came from, God operates and moves. And we see this all the way through the New Testament. And, uh, and the key is, is sharing in the suffering, all right? It says in Hebrews, it says, you suffered along with those in prison, because they're not even near them, but they suffered along with them and joyfully accepted the confiscation of the property because they knew that you yourselves had a better and la- you, had, you yourself had a better and lasting position. So in other words, they, it, they identified with the people who were suffering, and, it, and because of that, they ended up paying a huge price, but God built this deep riches in them. And we see this all the way through Scripture. So there's a lot we could talk about suffering and details and specific types of suffering. But what I want to start is kind of the big picture is, here's the way it is in Scripture. We connect to Jesus, and because we connect to Jesus, we're connected to one another. When we join Jesus, we instantly become a citizen of the kingdom. We instantly become a body, the body of Christ, and every one of you are a part of me. And so here's the thing. If you suffer, I suffer. The people of the king a distinction that we have is that we share in suffering. Look at these verses. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Have you heard someone rejoice in your joy with you? Is that rich or what? You know, maybe richer is when someone weeps when you're weeping. When they enter into pain at that cost. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We know that as you share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only that 
we rejoice. And not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does, is not put to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, so, sharing in suffering. Go back to uh, some of the stories I said earlier. Let's kind of apply this to those stories a bit more. And kind of go a little bit deeper in them. Let's start with my Bible tip or my story about this whole thing of I was in pain because and you might say, well, that's not really suffering. It is. Suffering, by the way, suffering is suffering. Do you understand that? Is if you're suffering, the enemy will say, well, it's not a big enough deal. You shouldn't be suffering. But God says, if you're suffering, this applies to you. However it came about and however you got there, right? So if you think about that story of the Bible study, what was happening, which I didn't understand was happening at all at the time. I thought I was having an emotional meltdown. I was a horrible leader. What was happening was I was allowing people in to my pain and my confusion and my struggle. I didn't know I was doing that. I just had a breakdown that I couldn't control. But then people came in, and once I did that, things began changing. Because, and that affected me, and it affected those around me as well. You know, if you, uh, you think about Debbie and I, when we were going through all those different things, in our family. Some people would look at that and say, isn't that a good story? Because now you have two beautiful daughters and grandkids, da, 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 da. And that is true. Please understand, we, we know that too. But the transformation started way before that, that God did in the suffering. What it did was it transformed our lives. It became part of who we are. It gave us a new way of seeing God and his mercy and his kindness. It gave us a new way of seeing ourselves and other people. And it took us to a place that I can't put into words what it did, right? But where it started was, was primarily with Debbie, who was, I didn't ask her if I share this. Can I share this? All right. Uh, <laughs> What else you can say at this point? Yeah, whatever. Most people heard it. Uh, but she, Debbie was at a spot where she was not even able to hardly function. And I was at a spot that told me as a, as a, as a father, keep it together. Don't, you, don't, you have some needs, but they're not anything compared to Debbie's needs. Husbands, listen to this. Not a good idea. Be the strong guy. You, you, you're, and so... I just kept pushing it down, but Debbie, not through my, my me, but through some women, they came and they picked her up, even though she didn't want to go, and they prayed for her. And they will tell stories now of here's how Debbie received prayer. <laughs> Come Holy Spirit, like that. <laughs> she, she, and they just wouldn't stop. And they wept with her, and they started entering into it with her, and it changed everything. 
And then, for me, I let it build to a point that I had an emotional breakdown. <laughs> emotional breakdowns are better than not having an emotional breakdown, providing Jesus is there. And he was there in a really big way. And I realized, I started, once I began opening up, God just started coming into my pain in ways I can't even put into words. Back in that corner, when I was sitting there and they were informing the church that we were dysfunctional pastors, <laughs> which is kind of the thing I was fighting off, you know, like, I don't want to be a dysfunctional pastor, and they're saying the very thing I'm trying to not to be, and I remember thinking, I can't believe this church is going to go through this. At the same time, I thought, oh man, I wish it wasn't this way because I don't want them to have to carry this burden with me. It seemed unfair to me. So, here's what I know now. It's hard to even say. Not sure I did it a great way, but the people who came in with me, it was for them as much as me. They needed it as much as I did. That's hard for my brain to get around. But we, when we share in suffering, when, when we have a choice to come into someone else's pain and weep with them or come in it with them in whatever way that looks like, it doesn't have to be a super emotional, it can be just in presence, it can be what you feel, but you're coming into that, you're not running from that pain of other people. And when we open up our own pain and suffering to other people, God gets in on it. Because that's the way it is, because we're a part of one another. And, it, and to say anything else, we're pretending like we're not a part of each other. And me, for me holding it back, it's like, no, I can do this. And I can't do it. So it's just kind of, I mean, you've, like you say, uh, like everybody says, you know, it seems like your church talks a lot about suffering, and you talk a lot about suffering. But man, I'm telling you, the, the switch that's happened in reading these passages is understanding Paul wanted them to share in his suffering because they needed it. And he needed it. And so, putting this down to kind of practical stuff, the reason we don't share in suffering is because we're threatened of what would happen if we do. Right? So we have ways of dealing with that. Like, it's not my problem. <laughs> now, we don't say that because we're Christians. We say it a little nicer than that. Not my problem. Or, I have enough problems of my own right now. Right? And that's understandable in a natural sense. But what you have to understand is when you understand entering into people's life, both rejoicing and weeping and entering in, it is life giving. It is a place that God transforms you. And then there's this place where, for many of us, when these places we have our own stuff going on, and we think, you guys ever think this? I am so tired of being a burden. I don't want to cry again, or I don't want to bring it up again. You guys ever been there? No, I, know you I, get you, I, I bet you I could get most people to raise their hand if they think about this. Right? I don't want to be a burden. Okay, I've had enough time. I don't want to keep opening myself up. Okay. 
I can say this with great authority. I was in that role for about five years trying to lead a church, and I couldn't, and God would not let me get away with that because it's saying that I'm independent of you. I'm not. You're a part of me. And I, I need you in all ways. And guess what? You need me to be the wacky person I am and opening up all my stuff, right? And so I just want to encourage you as we kind of go finish up here and turn the, uh, the, uh, the kind of the invitation this morning. Back again. Here we go. Allow God and others into your pain and let them share in your suffering. Bravery, courage, faith is that. It's not the other. And allowing them to come into your suffering. And then ask God to point out others who are suffering and how you can share in their suffering. And it will look different on how that looks. It's not going to be the same. But how is it that you don't stay away from the pain, but you come in and encourage and stay alongside people in the, in the pain? All right? Why don't you stand? I have the worship team come up. And I just want to pray for us at the church. Kind of just specifically in this thing. It's not something, this is not something that's new if you've been around our church. We've talked a lot about being real and open up and authentic. But I don't think we've talked enough about how this is where you experience transformation and comfort and things of God, and you, this is how you come to know God and experience Him, is both you opening up your stuff, which we've talked a lot about as a church, being honest and being open with that, but to understand that it actually is blessing those people you're opening up to. And anybody who's been in that situation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're never burdened by those people who say, I don't want to be a burden. <laughs> you're so blessed that they open up.